what pushed me forward was wow, my desire for my dream life and what being a millionaire will allow me to do today, that is slightly bigger than my fear. Sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes I would sit and be paralyzed with fear and not be able to do anything. And so you don't need to live in that fearless state 24 hours a day. You only need a few moments here and there to take action. And that's enough. I'm Krati Mehra, and this is Beyond the Goals podcast. It's my attempt to help you revel in all that life has to offer without pressing pause on your hustle. We learn how to create healthier relationships, a healthier lifestyle, a career that brings us true joy, and a life that satisfies us on every level. Forget the conventional ideas of success and happiness, because we're going to live a life of value and create an impact that speaks to our place in the world. So let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Goals. This is episode number 32 and we are talking all things money mindset with Denise DeField Thomas. Now, success happens when we work hard in an intelligent, focused way with our efforts directed in the right direction and we make the best use of our resources and the opportunities that come our way. But there's something else that's just as important. Our money story what it is that we believe about our ability to make and grow money. If you grew up poor, you would have a different story from someone who maybe grew up without ever having to worry about money. If you were raised to be cautious with money, you're probably more risk averse than others, regardless of the health of your bank account. Our childhood, our experiences, our parents' experiences, culture, community, gender, race, all of it has an impact on our money mindset and not always in a positive, healthy way. But who better to explain it all than Denise DeField Thomas, someone who has built a successful business, become a millionaire before she turned 36, despite growing up in an environment that was not very supportive of big ideas and dreams and where money wasn't really available. She set herself a goal, and she was already 30 at the time. She decided that she was going to become a millionaire by 35, and she did it. Lucky for us, she shares the story and how she got to the finish line during our conversation. Denise is a money mentor for the new wave of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. She was kind enough to share a lot of her secrets. And if you struggle with limiting beliefs, debt that's holding you back from pursuing your dreams, or you keep getting stuck because you simply don't have enough faith, this episode is for you. Denise shares her own story and she also talks about how through her money bootcamp she has helped over 7,000 students from all around the world build a life of abundance without burnout. My role in the world is to help women with their money, fear, sabotages and blocks. That's a quote from Denise's website and it perfectly encapsulates Denise's goal with every piece of content she creates, be it her books, podcasts or her videos. She helps people charge premium prices, release the fear of money, and create first-class lives. I'm sure you are now very excited to dive into our conversation, but before that, I have something to share. The subject of privilege, for obvious reasons, has been coming up a lot during our conversations. So I want to acknowledge my privilege so that anybody else who has struggled with or for things that I have never had to struggle for feels heard, acknowledged, and understood. And this continues to be a safe space for everyone. 
See, even as I share this episode on money mindset, how money struggles affect the confidence and our ability to get things done, I feel compelled to admit that so far as money is concerned, I have never had to go without. I don't know what it's like to really worry about where your next paycheck is coming from. And if you fail at something or if you lose your job, whether you'll be able to pay for necessities. I have never known fear like that. I grew up in a financially secure environment. And even when I've taken big risks, I felt fear of failure, sure. But I was never afraid for my security because at the back of my head, I always knew my parents will bail me out. It's not a very nice thing to acknowledge. Um, At least I don't feel great saying these words out loud, but it has to be said. That sense of security has always made things easier for me. And that's privilege that not everybody gets to enjoy. My conversation with Denise made me want to acknowledge my privilege. You'll see why when you listen to the episode. Basically, even as I hope and want for everyone to get over their fears and build a life they truly want and deserve, I don't always understand what it is that they're struggling with on a visceral level. I may still be able to help them, but it's not quite the same thing, right? But the intent behind everything I create or share is to help as best as I can. But if you ever feel that I have failed to deliver something with the compassion that the subject warranted, I want you to correct me educate me so that as I said this continues to be a safe space and I don't unintentionally make the journey more difficult for someone who is already struggling. That's it (laughs) and now I can see why this subject is difficult to talk about when you have your own privilege to confess to but it has to be done and I hope more and more people do it so that we can create an inclusive compassionate space where everyone feels free to share their story And now, without further delay, let's learn all that we can from Denise DeFuel Thomas. Thank you so much, Denise, for being here, for making time for this conversation. So nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. So far on the show, we have discussed money, like we've had one other episode and we've talked about money from a, from somewhat of a more practical point of view. Uh, So this was, would be like the first time we would be talking about money mindset we will be talking about all i think the things that are beyond the practical that impact your relationship with money so i am like super thrilled uh but to begin can i like i know there's a story here i know you have a story you've had your struggles you didn't just you know get here without having you know gone through the bumps so can we talk about how your relationship with money has changed how your uh, mindset has changed and how that has impacted uh, you know the the numbers, like the actual uh, practical numbers for you? So I would say my biggest um, motivation for making money was seeing the women in my family who had very few choices because of the lack of money. So they were in relationships that weren't great. They had to have jobs that they um, either didn't love, but also very low paid menial jobs, which often comes with harassment and exploitation and things like that. And so I I decided at a very young age that I wanted to make my own money. And I remember making that decision. But I didn't have any role models of what that would look like. And back then too, even, you know, I, I was born in 79. And so in the 80s and 90s when I was at school, the message very much was, oh, you're a, you're a girl. And so um, you could be a teacher, you could be a secretary, you could work in hospitality, like you could be a travel agent. And it was, it was still quite limited to, you know, you can go and work for someone else and 
be in a like in a very much a kind of a secretarial or helping profession and there's nothing wrong with that and to be honest if I grew up earlier pre you know the opportunities that we have now with the internet and technology I would have definitely been a teacher and I still I just love teachers I think it's an amazing profession that should be paid way more yes. um and so I just didn't have any role models of what that would be and I remember watching Oprah after school and I don't know how popular Oprah was in India oh yes it is popular. popular yes of course <laughs> perfect everywhere around the world right but in Australia um it aired at um about 3 30 in the afternoon and so I would race home from school to watch Oprah. And so I got this sense of, wow, there were women out there making money somehow. And I don't know, like, I don't know what that means for me because I don't want to be Oprah or I don't think I can be Oprah. I don't want to work in TV. I just want, I just had this desire in my heart for something and I didn't quite know what that was. Um, and so I was really lucky in my 20s to kind of start to be exposed to the world of entrepreneurship, you know, from a book here and there, or I would meet somebody and go, oh my God, you're an entrepreneur? What does that even mean? And then of course, once you once you find one person, then you find more. And suddenly I was going to conferences where instead of being the only woman, and the youngest, I was surrounded by women. And so when I was, um, just before I hit 30, I went to a conference run by a woman and she said that she was a millionaire by 35. And I went, I wonder if I could be a millionaire by 35. And I set that goal and I I did it two weeks before my 36th birthday. <laughs> so I was like, it's still counts as 35. And so why I'm saying this is it's so important to surround yourself with examples of what you want to see. And even though Oprah doesn't have her show anymore, we're even luckier now that we can curate exactly what we want to see. We can watch amazing shows on Netflix about women doing incredible things. We can curate our social media feed to see someone who looks like us do that you know and that's like that's an important conversation too right me growing up there were probably a lot more examples of white female entrepreneurs than there would have been of young indian entrepreneurs or for people now who are going well who are the young gay entrepreneurs that i can follow to inspire me or is there somebody who has my body shape or my body type or someone who's in a wheelchair or someone who grew up like me and we live in an incredibly open world now where you can really seek out what you want to see because you have to see it to believe it for yourself otherwise you're going to feel like you're the only one with with that dream so that's what changed my life is watching oprah and then following the threads to find women who were doing it yeah but i find it incredible that you had in your personal life you had no such examples you know of what it was that you wanted to become you found that outside your, I think your like primary sphere, I think I would say that influences like that outside that circle. And despite that, you didn't like the, from the way you're telling your story, you didn't approach that whole that, that goal that you picked up with fear. You had a very curious, you know, curious mindset, like whether I can do this or not. But that's that's rare, I think, because when you grow up in a in a family or you grow up in an environment where money is, you know, where 
you're not really meant to have money or that's the the idea that's created around you it's very difficult to approach a goal like that like let me you know i want to be a millionaire by the time i'm 35 and not a lot of people would have the courage to set a goal like that for themselves and actually approach it without you know without fear or without the you know the the almost certain certainty that oh i'm i'm not going to not really going to make it i'm just setting myself a big goal yeah let's talk about fear I think this is super key for people to hear. Um, It is scary and I did have fear and I still have fear every day. And that's what I think everyone needs to hear because when I went to that conference and so it was, it was Ali Brown, Ali Brown conference, who was an entrepreneur that I've just always, you know, looked up to and she was very glamorous, but very approachable. So um, it was a three-day conference and I went down in the lift one time to go to the party and I didn't know anyone at the conference and I was feeling really, like left out and she got in the lift and I said oh Ali I've got a I've got a question to ask you if that's okay and she was like of course and I said oh when does the fear ever go away right and she said never (laughs) and I was like oh that's not fun to hear because I thought there was an income level where you where you're like oh I'm perfect now. I'm not scared. I'm perfect. And that belief, I think, holds people back because then it becomes a chicken and egg scenario. Well, I have to be perfect and fear less first before I'm allowed to have the money. And every aspect of that, going to university, being the first person to go to university in my family, I was scared all the time. Um, when I moved to London and I got a corporate job at um, PricewaterhouseCoopers, I felt so out of place. I was scared all the time. Every time I went to my first um, entrepreneur conferences, for the first couple of years, every time I got on an interview with somebody or did a live stream, I would be terrified. But here's the great news. Okay. Okay. What scares you today won't scare you tomorrow. Right. So today... Literally this morning, I I was at the hairdresser. I came home and I was like, oh, who am I speaking to today? Okay, great. I came into my office three minutes before. It's all set up. Whereas go back 10 years, thinking about this interview, I would have been up all night. I would have been, you know, at two o'clock in the morning checking my, oh my God, am I going to miss the interview? Um, And so, but that doesn't mean I have a life that's fearless. Now I'm scared about other things. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's such an important conversation to have is striving for your goals. The goal isn't the absence of fear. It's just that what pushed me forward was, wow, my desire for my dream life and what being a millionaire will allow me to do. Today, that is slightly bigger than my fear. Sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes I would sit and be paralyzed with fear and not be able to do anything. And so you don't need to live in that fearless state 24 hours a day. You only need a few moments here and there to take action. And that's enough. Truly. I've, you know, anybody who, you know, talks about money mindset, nobody has ever said that. 
you I don't know if you realize that. I think that's you are the first person to say that you only need a few moments here and there because most people would tell you that you have to stay in that abundant mindset. In fact, I remember um long time back, you know, about all, all the, you know, jazz about law of attraction and how the the secret came out, the whole hoopla around it and mm-hmm. the, you know, how people were binging all those interviews. I remember hearing this one, I don't know who that person was. It was someone very popular, someone I think a lot of us admire. I, I, I'm not sure, uh, but they said that it's like planting a seed, and it, you know, growing, nurturing it every single day with your thoughts. And the second that you start doubting yourself, the 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 plant, whatever you've nurtured, it goes back to square one, and then you have to start all over again. So you cannot allow fear to ever seep in, which is insane. Insane. And it's there's so much stress and pressure. Now you're creating stress and pressure around that, which is I don't think that's possible to sustain perpetual optimism, you know, especially when you're it's absolutely not. I, I totally agree with you. It's absolutely insane. And it's it's that quest for perfection that is so damaging. And you know what? One of the exercises we do in Money Bootcamp, it's called negative consequences. And I encourage people to find out all the negative reasons and all the downsides to their dreams coming true. And everyone is so scared of this exercise because they've been told if they allow one little thought, little weed to come into their garden, it will multiply. Um, But the thing is, you probably know this as well, those negative thoughts live within you anyway. They are there. And so speaking truth to them is just bringing them to the surface so you can deal with them. And some will stay forever. So I always have to work on people won't like me if I'm too successful. I'll be too soft and not resilient and I'm a fraud. I have to work on those all the time, but I'm not too stressed about them. They're just part of the they're part of the garden. That's amazing. <laughs> um I have never had a single day or probably even an hour or even a minute when I have been pure of thought. And I've made $20 million in the last 10 years. (laughs) And could I have made $100 million if I was pure of thought? Maybe, but that's just the impossible. We're not robots. Yeah, don't don't even say that. (laughs) I don't think that that guy... I don't know what your health would look like if you were having to work constantly on that and do the work that actually is required for you to make that money. So I really do, you know, very much appreciate you saying that for myself and for anybody else that's listening. But may I ask, when you were approaching that goal, when you, you know, hadn't made it to that that million, the first million, was there like a perpetual element of desperation in your quest? Was that ever there? I love this question. I think the difference that that made for me, and I can see this now in, in people who are striving for that goal, is that I celebrated every single milestone. And I actually celebrated the smaller milestones much more than the million-dollar milestone. And so people feel like it's the opposite, that you'll feel like, like crap and in lack and desperation and then you hit the million dollar mark and then suddenly everything's wonderful and great and actually when I did hit the million dollar mark I was like oh this is cool I needed to celebrate the earlier celebrate the earlier ones way more so every sale for the first two years I would text my husband oh my god I made a sale this is amazing I I don't do that now 
Um, but I needed to because my little heart was so fearful and vulnerable that I needed to do that. I needed to, to create my armor bit by bit. Oh, I can do the tech. Wow, I'm capable of doing a sales page. Oh, I'm capable of posting on social media. Oh, and doing a live stream. Each one of those was a little patch of armor for me. And I can tell you, I celebrated my first month where I made $225. I went to a restaurant, I ordered a glass of champagne, and I said, universe, more of this, please. The opposite of what I see, though, is people go, oh, my God, I'm such a loser. I only made $225. Yeah. Do you see the difference? Whereas I was just like, oh, my God, I'm on my way. This is part of my million dollar. Like I'm I'm in it instead of feeling like, oh, I'm here and my million dollar life is over there. I'm like, I'm in it. I am already that person. And um, I would say now, like, it, as I said, I still have fear and it's a different fear. But you don't go back to zero. You really don't. Like I have so much armor now from all of those little points that if I lost it all tomorrow, I feel like I could make it back much quicker because I have the muscle memory of everything. And that's why it does not matter if your launch fails because then now you have the muscle memory. I can write a sales page now. Wow, I am capable of connecting the technology. Wow, I had my first refund request. No one can ever take that away from you, even if your business shifts and changes. And so I see people quit after one failed launch. I've had failed launches. Of course I have. I've had um, my first launch, one person bought. And I was like, I am a success story. (laughs) One person has paid me to do, like, just to inspire them. What the heck? (laughs) That's amazing. But have you met people who have gone completely the opposite? Oh my God, one person's bought my thing. I'm so embarrassed. I'm going to refund them. I'm going to quit. This is the worst. I'm so shit at what I do. It's like, who? your first launch is not for the sales. Your first launch is for resisting, like overcoming all the resistance and fear and tech problems and all the horrible things. And if you get through that, you have the, you have the framework to create a multi-million dollar asset on top of that. You can't quit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This is an, this is incredibly useful. So I get like I'm I'm sort of starting to get a picture of what your frame of mind should be like as you approach these big goals and you know those milestones that maybe in some corner of your mind seem almost like impossible or too ambitious. So is there any like elements that you have to have as you do the work? Anything that you know that simply has to be a part of your psyche? Um, yes, self-love and acceptance, biggest, biggest thing. And really the only thing because everything else you can Google, <laughs> right? like you really can, yeah. you can, you can buy a course, you can download a checklist, you can figure that out. But without that self-love and acceptance of like, oh my God, it's safe for me to do this. It's okay for me to have this dream. I am smart enough. I am enough. Um, it's that's always going to be like your evil twin sister. Otherwise, who's like, you suck. No one likes you. No one likes your stuff. Everyone's seen this already. Um, how dare you charge for this? And so if you can just have that a little bit more than her words, then that's enough. <laughs> I, I really think so, because 
everything else so depends. And people say to me, what's the one thing that's shifted everything in your life? And I'm like, there isn't. There isn't because there's so many elements to learning to, you know, to making a successful business. Yeah, you have to learn a little bit about marketing. You, know, you have to have some consistency. You have to offer people what you do. You have to have some tech tech there. But that's not the that's not it in itself the thing. The thing is, wow, I love myself and I accept myself and I believe in myself and I'm in my corner and not everyone has that in their real life. And so you have to provide it for yourself because everything else is situational as to where you are in your journey. Even coaches, there's no one coach that is going to be with you for the for the whole journey. There'll be times that you'll need loving and nurturing support. There's times that you need your butt kicked. There's times that you need strategy. There's times that you need belief. And so each one of those is definitely a puzzle piece but the only thing that is always going to be with you and always needs to be with you is just that self-love and acceptance. I, I can see uh, why you would say that because self-love and acceptance, I think those are the elements that you need if you are to put your content out there or if you have to really show up for anything ever. Because if you don't believe in yourself, I think that would really impact how you show up. Okay, so now I'm also curious about money blocks because I generally, you know, like I kind of know before I even ask that what they're going to be. But right now I'm so curious about your perspective on these, your like what you believe the money blocks are. If you were to talk about people who are in their struggling phase. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so when you are in your struggling phase, you don't even quite realize how much baggage you have around money. And we each have one. We each have our own little backpack of, of stories that we've accumulated about money. But often we don't realize um, that they're not real because that's just usually how you grew up. And so when I started doing this work, I just assumed, oh, if you grew up poor, you're going to have money blocks. And now that I've worked with over 7,000 people in my money boot camp, I realized that anyone can have money blocks. Uh, you could have grown up really wealthy and have stories about money. You could have grown up middle class and had the same stories. You could have grown up poor and had the same stories. And so I was like, what is universal to all of us? Um, and then what are the nuances within that? Okay, so you and I grew up in completely different countries. Yes. But we will have an overarching money block that you have to work hard to make money. Yes, Everyone has that one. That's a universal one. You have to work hard to make money. And yet now you and I in this time of life, we live in a world where actually you can make money doing really fun stuff. Yeah. Like you have to still do something to usually to receive that money, but you don't have to work hard like our mothers, like our grandmothers and, and fathers and grandfathers. And everyone else who came before us, like they had to work hard. It's a completely different time. But our brains haven't quite caught up with that. Okay, so that's our overarching thing. You have to do something, an hour of your time, and then you will get a certain amount of money. So it kind of short circuits our brain a little bit to break apart that equation. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense. You know, it's like, well, if I'm not doing something that I dislike or that is hard, 
how am I supposed to get that money then? Because really the algorithm is offer something to somebody. What, who knows how much money you can make from that? Like there's no set algorithm on that anymore. And again, it doesn't, our brains can't compute that. Um, then layer in that. Okay. So I said, anyone can have that money block depending on you grew up rich, poor, whatever. So imagine you grew up where your parents were wealthy doctors or lawyers. They are still in a profession where it's billable hours. And so if you grew up with that environment, you might go, well, how much I make is a function of how much I'm away from home, how much I'm hustling and billing. It's just ingrained in you, okay? I have to do that. If you grew up in a middle-class um, kind of environment, you might still have that block because your parents still probably had to go out and work a certain amount of hours and that's what they got. That's their salary. If you grew up poor, you might have seen your family have to do three or four jobs to make money. And so either way, you grew up with this thing, I have to work hard to make money. Layer in that, okay? So that's, they're the big rocks. They're the big rocks. The medium and the small size rocks are what's unique to your family and your culture. So in some cultures, it's okay for a woman to make more than her husband or her dad. In in some other cultures, not so much. Um, in some cultures, it's okay. Like, for example, in Australia, you have to be kind of laid back about your ambition. In other cultures, if you grew up in New York, ambition's ingrained in your, it's the air you breathe. So it's like, talk about money, talk about your ambitions. In Australia, not so much. You can't be seen to be trying too hard for it. Um, you Like in the UK, it's not very polite to talk about money. And so, you know, and so there's, there's stuff in there. And then the little rocks might be what your parents did for a living or what the story is of your lineage were um, entrepreneur, was it entrepreneurship or creativity frowned upon? Are your family um, all about academics and they think that's the only way to make money? So there's so many nuances here around the time you grew up in, uh, the culture that you grew up in, the environment, what. And here's another thing too. Throw all of that out the window. The contrast between what you had and what other people in your family had, uh, sorry, uh, other people in your community had. So you might actually be middle class. But for your town, you might have been wealthy. You might have been middle class, but your parents sent you to a really posh boarding school and you were the poor kid. So that contrast creates stories around who you are and how much money you're able to have. And so what do we do with that information? Yeah. So much fun. So... Awareness, awareness is the key. And I want to hear already from what we've just talked about. I want to hear your story around this because it is also situational, isn't it? So tell me about your perspective around working hard for money and the air that you that you breathe that you breathed in growing up. It's so crazy. I grew up with a sibling and his story was like since we were kids, 
his and my, my story and his story were so different. Like he always believed that putting on a blazer means you have money because that's what he saw. My father, my father was a businessman and every morning he would see him put on his blazer and put money in both pockets and, you know, get ready for the day. So for him, it's as simple as putting on a blazer. He has so much confidence, always had it. And I would always say things like, like even when we were kids, we would have like those, you know, childish talks. And I would be like, you got to be careful with money, you know, from whatever little I understood with my childish brain and he would be like no but we've got so much money why do we have to we don't have to be careful and it's it's to this day you know we've both been in phases where we have both struggled to build something of our own and Mm -hmm. the way we both work is so different i would do a simple project and i would end up making like a lot of money for a very simple project because sometimes you mostly you know like the projects would like that come uh through for me and i would be like but this was so simple. This was so simple. And I made so much money so quickly. And it just doesn't seem very fair. And I would start thinking about all the people who are working twice as hard as I am. And I would feel guilty about it. And with him, it's like, I own this. This is, I should be making money. Why should I? And our stories are so different. Yeah. But that's how I would always feel. But I would work on it because I think I've got awareness around it. I've worked so much on my emotions that now I, I quickly, very quickly identified this is coming from a very like inferiority kind of place or an imposter syndrome uh, kind of place. And, you know, it, it's impacting how I look at the progress I've made. But I like I get what you're saying. And that would always get in the way of, you know, the bigger achievements in my life, like the smaller achievements I could talk myself through. But anytime something big would come my way, I would be like, am I even good enough for this? It Maybe this should go to someone else, someone who deserves this more. And that would always trip me up. So yeah, I, so that would be, that would always be my story. Even though we like grew up in a very secure, so far as money was concerned, we grew up in a very secure environment. But my story was always like, I'm the academic in the family. Yeah. I'm like, I'm good at studies, but my personality is because I was this loner kid who never felt like she belonged and was socially awkward so nobody ever thought that entrepreneurship was something that was simply not possible for me and that idea was cultivated by myself and others reinforced by others cultivated by me that this is something i'm never going to do i was brilliant at psychology but i always thought yeah but i don't really want to talk to people because i of my unpleasant personality (laughs) and some somehow after I went through therapy after I went through my own like emotional struggles this is exactly what I'm doing I'm an entrepreneur I'm a coach I talk to people all the time and I I see the change in people after they're done with me like I can see maybe I haven't changed their lives but I have like made the day better at least I always see that absolutely so it's it's stories are very powerful they can do they can make you or they can break you They're, they're everything is that is that what you were looking for (laughs) absolutely and I think this is why I love my work so much because we all have our own unique story and even what you were saying about you and your brother having very different money stories you know like I'm very fascinated in different people's money personalities and sometimes what we believe about money is it's not really who we truly are but we might be overcompensating for our parents. Um, And so when I was saying, what do we do with this information? What I see is this is a lifelong journey. You know, you are always going to have to work on your mindset. There's never one fix and and it's done. And so the only thing you need to do is be curious. Be curious about how your experiences from the past 
are impacting you today. And when you experience some sort of friction or tension around your money, whether it's, oh, no, I need to invoice this person and they, they're, um, you know, they're going to see my invoice and tell me I'm bad or that I'm too expensive. Anytime you feel that tension, if you can stop it in the moment and go, where would this be coming from? Why would I be thinking this? And sometimes it's like a very big feeling of, well, imposter syndrome. Cool, I've got imposter syndrome. Or it could be related to a very specific um, memory. You know, oh, well, I remember when I got money for my birthday and I lost it. And my parents told me that they couldn't trust me around money. Maybe that has something to do with this this fear that I have. And so when you come at it from a real place of curiosity, you see that one, you have compassion for yourself, like massive amounts of compassion. And two, you realize that it's not real. It's just like, oh, this is just a story. And then you can work on the pattern interrupter. And there's so many mindset things you can do around uh, doing affirmations or doing a lot of the law of attraction work that is taught, but without the curiosity beforehand, you're just kind of putting a Band-Aid on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you can shift your mindset and, and develop different habits, not perfect habits, but different habits. And then it can be like, oh, well, before I even send my invoices, I'm going to do some affirmations. I serve, I deserve, you know, or it's safe for me to receive money. It's safe for me to handle money. Whatever is going to, like, hit that point of that fear is it is the cure. Curiosity is the key. Um, not perfection. Just curiosity around that. Yeah. And having people you can speak to about this, right? That's amazing. Because I, I do agree. Like if sometimes I would have big projects come my way, I would be like, let me just put my best foot forward and see if I can do this because this is something so different than whatever has gone before. So let me just see if I can do this. I get what you're saying. And in your own journey, I think there was a, a lot, like curiosity was a very prominent element is like what I got, uh, you know, as you shared your story. Uh, so do you think there are any like tangible exercises people can do? Because not everybody has like habits where they are, you know, becoming self-aware every day or where they're consciously doing the work that it takes to heal your stories so any tangible exercise you would recommend to people like that absolutely so I have this exercise in my book get rich lucky bitch um, and it's also one of the first exercises we do in money boot camp and it's to do an inventory of your money memories okay and um you start with like, what do I remember about money at school? And what do I remember about pocket money? What fights do I remember? Um, what do I remember around holiday times and gift giving times like birthday or Christmas or Hanukkah? Um, what do I remember about um, school? What, where was their contrast? You know, I was saying about that, like where did I feel like I didn't belong? Um, and if you can just write down as many of those as possible. And so some people end up with five pages. Right. Some people get really blocked and they can't remember anything <laughs> and that's fine too. But like you could even go a little bit later in life if you don't remember so much about your childhood. Like what, um, like what about work? 
you know, like different times at work where you've asked for a pay increase or you've negotiated or how you felt like your worth was not recognized. There's usually so many things there. And then you can look for patterns and go, wow. Like sometimes even just that in itself is so illuminating because you go, holy crap, no wonder I, I, I struggle with this. Look at this list. Like I've been told from such a young age that girls don't make money. Right. Or I remember when I told my dad I wanted to be an artist and he said, well, if you are an artist, you will never make a dollar in your life. True. And True. he took that on almost like a vow of yeah. poverty. Yeah. And when you see that on paper, then you can start to um, choose something different. But without really taking the inventory, um, it's it's like you just have a surface kind of view of um, of what it could be. So I, I recommend everyone do that. And I love hearing these as well. I love hearing people's money stories. So you can always DM me on Instagram or something. I'm at Denise DT, by the way. Um, but like we're, we've all got them, you know, and that's our shared humanity is that we've all been told pretty much our whole lives, especially women, that money is just not for us in some way true or we have to do something that we don't want to do to make that money and the first step in healing that is just seeing it acknowledging it yeah and you know i as i as i shared i grew up like in a very financially secure environment my parents always had money so even when i achieved something big i got into a really good university or i quit my job and then switched to entrepreneurship instead of appreciating the amount of hard work that went into it or when i made the switch appreciating the courage behind it people would always come at me like you can do this because you grew up with money and i would keep hearing like something or the other that would invalidate the work i had done i think that's something else that people go through a lot. Like there's there are people who are who grow up in poverty and then they have their stories. And then there are people who grow up with money and then they have different stories. So, you know, the exercises that you've recommended, I think they would always help. But I think I'm still like so amazed by the, the very first thing you shared was like approach the whole thing with curiosity. Because even if you don't have self-awareness, I think if you can just suspend everything, and just from that point on where just say something like, let me just see mm-hmm. what it is that's that's right for me and what's true for me. I think that would really help people. But it's very difficult to do. But your story, I think, yeah, is a powerful one. I think that, that could really help. And I'm not saying it's easy. You know, like it's this is why we need coaches. We need community. We need best friends who are also in business because it is scary and it can be very isolating, especially if you're the only entrepreneur in your family or friendship group. And when you can share those things with others, and this is why with my Money Bootcamp, we have a beautiful community attached to it because it's normalizing the conversation about money and normalizing the successes, but also normalizing the fear and those conversations too. And just a note as well on privilege, you know, there's, I think it's really important to acknowledge the privileges that we had. And yes, yes, I grew up, I grew up poor, but I grew up poor in a country with a lot of safety nets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so like poor in Australia is very different to someone, you know, being living on the street in, um, you know, I don't know, somewhere else. Right. Or even in India, like it's a completely different thing. Um, Having parents who had money, Yes, that is a privilege. And so what do we do with that privilege? 
I see a lot of people get stuck in guilt and shame around it. And I think we all have the opportunity to use our privilege to make money and change the world. Yeah. And that's the only thing we can do because should you sit there and go, well, my my parents had money and so I don't deserve any of this. No, you can acknowledge it. I can acknowledge my privilege growing up in Australia and and my white privilege and my able-bodiedness privilege. Yes. And I am going to use that to help people make money and do good things in the world. And your story might be so inspiring to somebody else that who never would have heard that message before or who had never given themselves permission because there was something about your voice that unlocked it inside of them. There's no shortage of coaches and teachers and books, but not everyone resonates with every person. There's millions of money books. And sometimes you'll read one page and go, "Mm, not for me, but I'm super glad that, you know, that there were authors who got over their resistance and wrote their story down so I could go, oh, my God, yes, it's possible for me too. And that's why it's so important to show up, do your videos, make your podcasts, um, offer your services to your clients because somebody needs to hear it from you or they will never, ever hear it and nothing will ever change for them. Um, And this is why it's so cool. All the girls who were told that they were too chatty in school now have podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) True, true. And we can get paid for talking to people all day. How amazing yeah. is that? Yeah, and for introverts, it's a secure environment where they can talk, even if they're not very chatty outside. <laughs> it's a controlled environment. <laughs> exactly, which is so fascinating, right, because people often disbelieve me that I'm an introvert. But I'm like, well, it's just me and you talking. Yeah. And when I do videos, it's just me and my camera. It's Having a business nowadays is perfect for introverts <laughs> and extroverts, but... You really can find your little place in the world instead of going, wow, I grew up in this town and I have to find a job in this town and, you know, I'm limited. My grandmother was limited. Her mother was limited. But we are not. We are not. And, yes, that that does not mean that people won't face discrimination or racism or other forms of, um, you know, uh, problems, but we have the opportunity and you have to seek out people who believe in you, who will encourage you. And um, why not you yeah, like anyone yeah. else? Yeah. I think it's the, the very first point you made that, you know, looking at all the success stories makes you realize the, you know, the sheer amount of possibilities that you have in your life. I think that really helps. Uh, considering you've worked with like thousands and thousands of people, I have to ask you, do you think there are ever any like particular personality traits or habits that help you break through? Like people who have made a success. I've heard like the, the testimonials that people have given after, you know, going through your boot camp. So I know that you've had like massive amount of success stories. So, you know, what is it like there? Are there anything particular about these people or there's a pattern to them that made them break through and that made them get to their you know mountaintop? Yes. You want to hear what it is? Yes, please. <laughs> Self-love and acceptance. Oh, Self-love right. and acceptance. No, and I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely serious about this because, um, and I teach a course called uh, Sacred Money Archetypes. I'm certified in, in that method. 
Um, each personality type has a path to wealth, but not if they try and do it like the other personality types. Um, and so there has to be a sense of, wow, it's okay for me to make money and I'm going to do it in my way. And so that's why I always say it's the key because um, one advice from one coach won't work for everybody. No. It won't. And I I saw that in my early years and I, of being an entrepreneur and it was so frustrating. I found it frustrating as a coach when I started out as a one-to-one business coach that the advice I gave, I was like, but it worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it. And it didn't work yeah. for every personality type. And, and I'll, I want to give you a, a very specific example about how this would work. Okay. So um, there's a personality type called the maverick. Yes. Yes. And these are the people who um, rebel against tradition and they want to do things their way. And, um, and then a personality type, which is almost opposite, is called the accumulator. So these people are very cautious. They want to know all of the details before they commit and they um, have a lot of buyer's remorse because they feel so stressed about making investments sometimes, okay? And so the way that those two personality types, they have to honour who they are. They have to honour that sometimes the maverick makes a decision like that and that's okay. And the accumulator has to... um, they have to acknowledge the fact that they might need a couple of days to make a decision. And so have you ever heard the advice, sell it before you make it? Of course, sell it before I... Yeah. Yes. So so some people who teach how to do a course or how to create a course, they'll say, sell it before you've created it. Um, And then you can create it week by week. It becomes easier. Exactly. So for a maverick, that might be the only way they can motivate themselves to do something because they almost need the adrenaline to do it. And it's also quite easy for them because sometimes mavericks, they're very quick and bold thinkers. And so when I did my first course, I did that. I had a a very vague overview of what the course was going to be. I sold it based on that outcome and then I delivered it week by week and I would literally finish the handout an hour before I sent it, an hour a minute before I sent it up. Wow. Um, and I felt very much in integrity because I knew what I wanted to teach them, but I just needed the I needed the external motivation to actually put it down on paper. So for me, I was totally in integrity. I knew I was going to deliver exactly what they promised, but I wanted to sell it first. That advice works for the maverick, does not work for the accumulator. Right. The accumulator will feel like they're so out of integrity selling something before it's done the problem though for the accumulator is that sometimes they get in analysis paralysis and it's never perfect so they never sell it because they always feel like it's out of integrity yeah so i i when i first started in business that was one of the trends to tell people to um you know to sell it pre-sell things before it was ready that wouldn't work for some personality types and so that's just one example of where you have to just go, wow, this is who I am and I love and accept that. Let me find the positives in that and let me work on my own sabotages around my personality. So the accumulator, if they were aware of the fact that they could get very stuck in analysis paralysis, then they can watch for that. For the maverick, their sabotage is that sometimes they throw all of the baby out with the bathwater and they can be too impulsive 
Right, right. One advice is not going to work for both of those personalities. But the one thing that works for both of them is going, oh, wow, this is who I am. That's enough. This is who I am. That's okay. I can be a millionaire. I can be successful being who I am, not having to change myself to fit into someone else's version of success. And that's why I always come back to it and I say self-love and acceptance. The nuance (laughs) within that are find out about your personality, you know, do personality tests, find out what your strengths are, um, have a team around you to fill in some of your gaps, uh, work in a way that is to your strength and not not sabotage yourself. Maybe that means boundaries or whatever it is. Um, with that, you can, oh, my God, you can achieve everything because every personality type can be wealthy, but not if they're trying to do it like everyone else. Right. That makes so much sense. And I think personality tests are pretty, like, safe space to start from because I think they give you, like, a very solid plan to approach your life they're not I think they're there's they're not an end in themselves I think that's just the beginning of your journey but I believe I've always believed that you can be personality a b and become x y after you know at the end of that phase of your journey because I think it doesn't matter what your personality is you can be whoever you want to be so for me that has always been true but I can see your point here that makes a lot of sense and for people who are like struggling with some very real problems, because not everybody is just like their mindset is not their biggest problem. They have very real problems like debt, yeah. a family to support and things like that. And then trying to make it, you know, to certain ambitious goals, perhaps. So for them, when they get tripped by their very real problems and then the the ideas, the stories that come with them, because when you are in the thick of things and you are your you have an empty bank account, yeah. it is very difficult for you to believe in a different future. So for people like that, what is it that you advise they do during those moments? I'm so glad you brought this up because we have to have compassion for that. And that's where, you know, to loop around where we talked about the law of attraction, you know, telling someone who has no food in their cupboard that they just need to, you know, believe in it can be really difficult because it's it's so consuming Um, to worry about money in that way and so my advice is you can only can control what is in your environment uh, you know like where you are and so a belief for a better life is something that is free okay so look at where you can have some joy in thinking about the future so goal setting every day that's free Going to visit and being in environments that make you feel abundant, that's free too. So I used to go and visit this neighborhood actually <laughs> that I live in now. And I would drive in in my car with the roof sagging down around it. And yes, I was very privileged to have a car. But like I would drive in and go, this is where I belong. This is where I live. And my voice would go, no, you don't. And I was like, great, that's something for me to work on. Um And so those little bits of joy, um, you can deliberately try and cultivate. It could be that you find moments in your day that make you feel abundant. It could be using your best china, wearing your best perfume, wearing clothes that make you feel more abundant because there are going to be lots of moments in in your day that make you feel poor. So you have to deliberately create the ones that make you feel richer. Um, 
the thing that I used to tell myself as well and say it's real, but it's temporary. Okay. Okay. It's real, but it's temporary. And so you can acknowledge like this is my reality, but it's not my reality forever. It's not my reality for the rest of my life. Um, the other thing that I think is crucial is that if you have a business and your your life is less than ideal, you have to be so brutal what you spend your time on. And it means you have to spend your time on income-producing activities. Yes, that makes sense. Because you want to get out of that state as quickly as you can. And, yes, you're going to be fearful, but remember I said everyone feels fear, even millionaires, so you're not unique in feeling the fear. Um you have to do those income-producing activities so that you can move on and upgrade your life incrementally. Um, you know, when I first moved to Australia, back to, to Australia from London, we lived in a very, very small apartment. And I just said to Mark, like, for the next year, we're not going to do, we're, we're not going to go on holidays, we're not going to um, upgrade our car, but we're going to do little things on a day-to-day -day basis that will make us feel abundant. And one of those things was that we had a cleaner and that it was every two weeks that made me feel more abundant than upgrading my car. Um, and so you have to choose what would be the most symbolic upgrades for you in that moment, whenever you have a bit of spare money, but there are so many things you can do that are completely free. Um, and as I said, dreaming, dreaming is free. Yes, it really is. And that's something that you have to do every day. It's real, but it's temporary because that's where I'm going. This is so amazing. This is why you're the boss in this area. <laughs> but no, I'm very serious because I am so I was I'm always so reluctant to talk about money mindset because as you said, there are so many unique stories. It's impossible where money because and money is a very real issue. You can't just give people some very like general advice and, and consider them helped or served. You can't do that. So you need to approach it with so much compassion, so much understanding, and you're very good at that. <laughs> so I'm... Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm just very... I'm very curious about other people's money too, and I still haven't... I'm still not bored of that. You know, like I've been running boot camp, um, my money boot camp for um, almost nine years, and I'm, I'm yet to run out of ways that we can look at our money mindset. Uh, so I, I find it really fascinating and I just want everyone to hear like no matter where you are like you can be you can be the one that does it and it's not always going to be easy and you have to really you know as I said deliberately curate who you are around what messages yeah. you listen to um, and decide that it's going to be you yeah yeah that's amazing why not why not you yeah and, you know, I wish everyone could afford like your boot camp, your, you know, you work with you maybe on a personal basis if you do that. But if not, not because I know not everybody's ready for as, you know, for something as intensive as a boot camp. Uh, so for people like that, are there any resources you recommend? Absolutely. So I actually have a free workshop on my website. So it's at denisedt.com slash blocks, as in money blocks, uh, denisedt.com slash blocks. That's completely free. My books are generally quite low cost depending on, um, you know, the time of the year. Sometimes they're on offer. They're on Kindle, paperback, and uh, what's the other 
Kindle paperback and oh, Audible, of course. So I, I read the Audible okay. too. Okay. Um, but if you have a library that's willing to order in books, you can ask them to order it in as well. But I would say, uh, you know, you could listen to my podcast that's just come out that's on iTunes. There's a lot of ways that you can start to just be in that curiosity conversation. Yeah. And then when you're ready, when you start to manifest more money and receive more money in your life, then come over and join boot camp when you're ready. Yes, yes. Absolutely. I'm, here, I'm here for everybody. Yeah, I'm going to share all of those links. And if you were only allowed to give one piece of advice to people and add nothing to it, what would that one advice be? You know what I'm going to say? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, develop a daily practice of self-love and acceptance. Um, Makes sense. Yes, it really is. And I, I don't really stress about my kids and money so much like I'm not you know doing a little mini money boot camp for them but every night before we go to bed we do self-love affirmations because I know that that will help them in life um, and so we'll say I love I love myself I love my body I love my genius brain I love my creativity I love my kind heart um, and Gosh, imagine if we could all do this every day. True. Um, it really is life-changing. And the one that I'm working on at the moment is um, I apply my creative genius every day. And there's something there for me about claiming my intelligence. That is, it's another aspect of self-love and acceptance, yeah. you know, and so... Yeah. Sometimes we have to follow that path of least resistance for some people, like actually physically telling their body that they love their body is the first step because you might have a story about every single body part, about how it's wrong, yeah. how it's ugly, how it's yeah. not right. And so you start from the, like the cellular level. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And honestly, that will change everything. It's it's the thing that shifted everything for me in my 20s. Um, that's when the opportunity started to come into my life, when I started to go, there's actually nothing wrong with you. You're, you're beautiful and I love you. I didn't feel it every day. It's not necessary. <laughs> um, but just enough of the, those moments is enough to shift so many things in your life. That's amazing. This is so helpful. Everything. I've got like a million more questions. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to keep going and, you know, keep asking you questions because um, the list I came up with, I think uh, you answered a lot of those questions yourself, like as you shared your story, but so many more questions to ask you. <laughs> What's your last burning one? Like your one that is, you can be as nosy as you like, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Like I want to know what a truly money empowered person looks like. That's something I would like. It looks like you. Go look in the mirror. <laughs> beautiful okay you asked for an exercise before and we did the money memories thing this is going to change people's life this daily exercise every day look in the mirror and you say this is what a wealthy woman looks like this is what a wealthy man looks like this is what a wealthy queer person looks like this is what a wealthy mum looks like this is what a wealthy indian woman looks like um whatever is personal to you because the first couple of times you do it you'll go not today maybe if i had hair and makeup on that's not true 
um, it can look like you, it can look like me, it can look like everybody listening, find a reflective surface right now and say, this is what wealth looks like, because there are no rules, no rules. And the more that you can reconcile that, that someone who looks like you, even when you wake up at six o'clock in the morning and you feel like trash, this is still what a wealthy woman looks like. You know, you could have gastro and you can still do that. You could go camping. You could be glammed up, which doesn't happen to me very, very often. But like once or twice a year, I can be like, well, this is what a wealthy woman looks like too. And the next day when it's all smeared down my face, I go, and this is also <laughs> what a wealthy woman looks like. Um, and so we actually do this a lot in Money Boot Camp. I encourage people to post selfies all the time and seeing people claim it, all different body shapes, all different ages, all different ethnicities, all different um, personality types. Uh, it's very empowering because then you realize maybe me as well. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. That is empowerment. <laughs> that's amazing. It is. <laughs> it's life changing. I'm telling you. And even if you write it on your mirror with a like you know a dry erase um, pen. And it will trigger you. It will. T- your voice will say no. That's not true. And it will. It will come with repetition and acclimatization to the idea that maybe yes, you. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And every every day, not when you, not just on your good days. True. That's true. This is this was so helpful. <laughs> Thank you so much, Denise. This all of this has been so great. Well, I'm so glad. And I just, um, yeah, I love. I love hearing from people. I always love hearing an aha um, or a tweak. I'm a Virgo. I love being of service. And so that's really meaningful to me. And everyone listening, feel free to reach out, send me a DM on Instagram, as I said, at DeniseDT, um, or go to my website and get that uh, free workshop, denisedt.com slash blogs. And let's start this conversation together. And if you didn't like my voice, if you found me annoying, find a money mentor who can help you because it really is it's really important and you don't have to do it by yourself that was the amazing denise Dafiel thomas if you want to know more about our guests or you want to explore the resources mentioned during the episode the links will be in the episode description if you want to dive into similar content go to my website pradimehra.com and there's a whole bunch of them for you to explore i hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as i enjoyed creating it Now, I'll be back next week. Till then, please do take care of yourself.